This is the Straight Truth Podcast, biblical answers to difficult questions from a Christian worldview. So our question today is, is uh, in response to reading the Lord's Prayer. This is in, uh, obviously, Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, um, specifically the first line, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the question is, is does this phrase, Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, um, does that refer to the whole Trinity? Or or not, just the Father. And so is, is Jesus our Father? Obviously, we would say no as Orthodox Christians. The Holy Spirit is not our Father. But but maybe the broader question here is more about who we pray to when we pray, or maybe how should our prayers be structured specifically? Mm. What would you say? Yeah, the pattern that you find most often in the New Testament is we address the Father in and through the Son, in the name of the Son, and we do so in the power of the Spirit. I mean, that's the general pattern for prayer in the New Testament. I would say that's the normal, regular way that we pray. We pray to our Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Spirit. But you find this in the doxologies. You find it all throughout the New Testament that, that, that God is, is Trinity. And so each person of the Trinity is worthy of praise and worship. You find times in the New Testament where Jesus is addressed directly in prayer. Mm-hmm. So Acts 7.59, Stephen cries out for the Lord Jesus to receive him mm-hmm. would be one example. Even in Acts one twenty four, when they're seeking a replacement for Judas, they, they call to the Lord Jesus, it seems, in that context in, in chapter 1, verse 24. I can't think of a place where the Spirit of God is addressed directly in prayer mm-hmm. in the New Testament. But he certainly is a person and communicates with God's people. And so you find places where the Spirit said, for example, to Peter, mm-hmm. the book of Acts says, that you find statements like that. So it, it, he is worthy uh, to be sought. And, and there's a personal relationship that we have with God who is the Holy Spirit. So the pattern to the Father in the name of the Son in the power of the Spirit, but each person of the Godhead um, we have a relationship with. So I think the broader question here as we're talking about prayer is just really how do we structure our prayers? How, how do we think rightly about prayer? We've got Jesus' example in the Sermon on the Mount to pray in such a way. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the, the, the broader concern is, is how, would you, how would you give someone advice about how I should pray? And in what way should I go about praying? Yeah, the question itself, I think, gets to part of our struggle. I mean, we, we, we want to pray rightly. That's why the person asks the question, you know, do I address the Father? Is this is how, how prayers to right. be done? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to pray rightly. And what I would just encourage us with is the understanding that our Father knows what we need before we ask for it. Mm. We do want to grow in prayer. I want to, I want to be better at prayer all along my Christian life. I want to grow in that area like in every other area of the Christian life. But I, I am comforted by the knowledge that God isn't, isn't answering my prayers based upon the pristine nature, nature of the structure or the language. He, he knows what I need before I ask for it. He, uh, the Spirit of God Himself intercedes for me with groanings that can't be uttered. I mean, we, we struggle in prayer precisely because we're creatures. And so what I'm called to do is seek the Lord, knowing who He is, knowing what His truth is, striving for my mind and my heart to agree with Him, and then knowing that what he does transcends my ability to pray. And that gives me comfort because if, if, if answers to my prayers depended upon my ability in prayer, uh, I wouldn't see the Lord do much, Josh, because 
You know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But even, even in that, there's weakness. Even in, take the most righteous per, outside of Christ himself, the mo- most righteous man you could imagine, there's still going to be weakness in his prayer life because he's, he's not yet glorified. So I go to God as a child, one of his children, and I give voice to what is in my heart and mind. And I know he knows. He knows before I ask. And he answers, not based upon my righteousness. This is why I come in the name of his son. I'm coming to him based upon what his son has done for me. And I come to him in the power of the Spirit. I come relying on the Spirit of God to intercede for me when I don't even know what to ask for. Even there, he's at work. So all of this gives me great comfort. And, and I'm able then to, to sort of relax, in a sense, and just go as a child to his Father and pour out my heart and know that the Lord is at work in that process. What are maybe some practical steps to grow in prayer? Pray the Scriptures. Okay. I think it's one of the best things we can do. It helps to break us out of patterns in prayer that we can all fall into. We're just saying the same things again and again. When I pray through a passage of Scripture, it enlarges my perspective. I can be assured that what I'm praying for is the will of God because I'm praying His Word back to Him. Mm-hmm. And so if you just open up, and we do this often, and we've done this in discipling people, just take a chapter of Scripture and take each verse one at a time and say, okay, what is it teaching me? Now let, let me translate that into prayer. Let me take that and re- relay that as a prayer request. So let me just give one as, as an example. Let's just take one of the Psalms. And let's take a Psalm 19, for example. And let's get to the portion that deals with the Word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Father, I thank you that I know that every word of God is tested and is mm-hmm. pure. And I thank you that in your word, you give me what I need, sometimes to encourage me and, and restore me and revive me. And so, Lord, let your word have that effect in my life today. Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Lord, I need wisdom. I need wisdom for all of my decisions. I need wisdom for my family. And I know that wisdom, your word is wisdom. It is, it is the, the ground upon which I can walk and be safe. It is sure. And so, Lord, help me today to live my life out of your word. And I would just take mm-hmm. statement by statement and then lift that to the Lord in prayer. It expands your mind as you're praying, but it, it also assures you that what you're asking for is what would please God. Well, Pastor, one of the maybe first texts that people memorize, even as children, or they grow up in Christian homes, is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've taught that to our kids since they were, they were just toddlers. I've even been at secular funerals where maybe a hundred people can say this prayer together. It's kind of like in our language, our vernacular, mm-hmm. at least in this country, maybe not every country, but in ours. Uh, for Christians, it's essential to know the Lord's Prayer because Jesus instructs us and says, uh, when you pray, or the disciples ask him, how should we pray? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, when you pray, pray like this. And then he offers the Lord's Prayer. So our question today is, can you explain why he, Jesus used the Lord's Prayer as the model and is it the sort of prayer that we should continue to pray all the time? Or is it just the basis for our other prayers, the structure that we should have? Talk a little bit about the Lord's Prayer and maybe how it in- instructs us to pray. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer in the sense that the Lord gave it. Okay. Yeah. It's the disciples' prayer in the sense that it's the disciples who learn to pray by it. Okay. In fact, there, there, there's an element of the prayer that our Lord could not have prayed which is forgive us our trespasses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, our Lord was sinless. That's good. So, so this is the disciples' prayer in the sense that this is how disciples ought to pray. He gives this prayer in answer to the disciples' desire 
to learn how to pray. And so this answers our our own heart's longing mm-hmm. to pray as Christians. This is one of the, the, the great evidences that the Lord has actually saved us, is that we are now praying people, but, but also we sense our inadequacy in it. Mm-hmm. I, I have never met a Christian who didn't want to pray more effectively than they do. That's true. In my own life, it's probably the, the greatest area of desire that I have to, to, to grow in and improve in, obviously, every area of our lives we need to grow in. But this area, I really feel my weakness. And so this, this answers the, long, the longing of our hearts to, to grow in prayer. Jesus says this, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. And so one of the things I just want to point out quickly is the very approach we take in prayer reveals something about our knowledge of God. Jesus mentions a wrong kind of praying before he mentions his model prayer. And and the wrong kind of praying is is wrapped up in a wrong view of God. The thought that I'm going to change God's mind, the thought that I'm going to somehow overcome God's will with with heaped up phrases and Mm -hmm. multiplicity of words. He, He rules all of that out. And then he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we come with that knowledge of our God. He is omniscient, and He's sovereign, and He's good, uh, and He's willing. He knows what we need, and He's willing. And then He says this, pray then like this. Mm -hmm. Very important. He doesn't say pray this. He says pray like this. So this isn't a prayer to be repeated over and over again verbatim. This is meant to be a teaching model. So the right way we relate to the Lord's Prayer is to see it as a teaching model. And then he he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there's so much wrapped up in that prayer. How now we've been related to God through Jesus Christ. He's our Father the transcendence of God. He's in heaven. So both the nearness of God, the intimacy we know with God, our Father, but He's in heaven. He's transcendent. He's holy. Hallowed be your name. And so we begin praying with an acknowledgement of who God is and the place that He holds in this universe that He has made. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our desire to do His will, to see His glory on display is wrapped up in this prayer. It's Godward in the beginning, not selfward. How much of our praying begins with us, begins with, begins with our sure. circumstances, yep. our desires, but this prayer begins with God and a, and a willingness at the very outset for His will to be done in our lives. And then, however, it doesn't ignore the things that, that concern us on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. Even there is a contentment not looking far into the future, not thinking about all the things that might happen way down the road, but but in that prayer, willing to trust our Father in this moment, in this day, for our present needs. The acknowledgement that we're sinners, that we sin, that we violate the will of God, forgive us our debts. Taught at the same time to forgive as 
we also have forgiven our debtors. And then our dependence upon God as we walk through this sin-sick world to keep us safe, to keep our feet on the right paths, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The acknowledgement we have a spiritual enemy, we're in a spiritual war, and, and our desperate need for God. So I haven't done justice to it, but when you walk through this prayer and you pay attention to its elements, it's just a world of truth in, in a very concentrated form. And so if you take the time to study it and to look at its elements, it will serve you in the way that Jesus intended. Not a prayer just to be repeated verbatim, mm. but a teaching model about what prayer is, where it begins, what it remembers, what it longs for, who it looks to for all the things that we long for, and our desperate need for God at every moment of our lives. Well, Pastor, our next question has to do with prayer life. Anybody who's listened to you in this podcast setting or maybe in sermons uh, here, or, or maybe personal counseling will hear you sometimes say um, that we should be laboring in our prayer closet. That's mm-hmm. an interesting phrase you use uh, really somewhat often. And, and we had a question that said, what comes to, to mind when they hear you say this is a kind of monastic stepping away from daily life to devote mm-hmm. the substantial amount of time of your, of your day to prayer. So whether or not that's correct, you know, the assumption makes this person, they say, it makes them think like they don't know much about the real work of prayer mm. in your own life. So what does it really look like practically to labor in prayer? What are the practical steps to foster an effective prayer life? Yeah, it, that's a good illustration of, uh, of the fact that we don't realize sometimes what we talk about a lot. Because I, I, don't, I don't think about using that, that phrase a lot, mm. but, but I must. So several thoughts come to mind. First of all, there's probably nothing harder, uh, more difficult in our Christian life than prayer. Uh, For my own life, it's it's the most difficult aspect of the Christian life for me. It's something that I fight every day to to make a discipline because it's it's difficult. And I think when you, I'm going to paraphrase Martin Lloyd-Jones here because I don't know that he said this exactly, but having read a lot of Lloyd-Jones, he talked about this a lot, the difficulty of prayer, and that if someone has never known the difficulty of prayer, then they probably don't know what prayer is. And when you talk about things that are difficult, one reason for that would be spiritual warfare. I mean, if, if we find something difficult to do, the flesh doesn't like it, and two, uh, the devil probably doesn't mm-hmm. like it. And so prayer is one of those things. So there is a work aspect to prayer. I, I think about Colossians 4. Verse 12, when, when Paul describes Epaphras, and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Struggling there is a form of the word agonizomai. It's, it's to agonize. It's, it's, uh, it's to labor. So this, this man knew a kind of laboring over his brothers and sisters for their spiritual maturity in prayer. So I would say that, that there is a work aspect to it. How, however, prayer is, is not something where just time devoted to it pleases God. You, you just go, okay, if I just pray long prayers, if I just spend more time in prayer, then that would represent what would please God. In fact, Jesus warned about people who, who prayed these long prayers to be seen by men. I think it's in Mark 12 that he talks about that. So if we think of trying to please God by, by greater effort, by more time, just in terms of time, I think we're on the wrong track. There's a sense in which prayer ought to be spontaneous. What is it? It's communication with our God. It's, it is from our heart to Him. It is a discipline 
but it's a relational discipline. Mm-hmm. It's not something without fellowship, without relationship. So prayer expresses love and devotion to God and to, uh, on behalf of the people we're praying for. It expresses our sense of need and dependence. It expresses faith. God promises that he hears our prayers and that he answers them. Mm-hmm. Think about Matthew chapter 6, we're told to pray in secret. And the Bible says God will reward that. Mm -hmm. So private prayer results in open reward. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing these things, if I believe these things, why would I not devote time to prayer? So Mm -hmm. what what I never want to do personally, Josh, is I'm uh, discipling people or helping them grow in the Christian life. I I don't want them to think in terms of prescribed times as much as I want them to think about what that spiritual discipline is as God describes it in his word and the kind of motivation that should move us to that based on what God promises and teaches us in his word regarding that discipline. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage people to think about what prayer is, what it expresses, what, what promises God has given with respect to prayer, your own need. God hears this. Do you know that you need God's help in, in all these areas where you can go to him in prayer, whether it's someone else's spiritual condition, or it's the issues you're going to face today in your life, or it's your own spiritual maturity and growth, or it's someone else's spiritual maturity and growth. If it's evangelism, if it's family life and your children, your, your, your marriage, if it's the ministry of the church, I mean, there's so many things where prayer is needed. I think if we concentrate on the need, our neediness, God's promises, I think we'll be moved to pray, and yet I, I, at the same time, I recognize it can be difficult, and mm-hmm. so I've got to discipline myself mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. In what sense is the, you know, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray in secret, is that different, or maybe the same, as uh, praying without ceasing, which Paul says later? Yeah, point. praying without ceasing is, is more of ongoing conversation throughout a day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no one just prays 24-7. But the idea is I'm always, I'm living my life in, in, a, in a condition in which prayer is, is able to be practiced. Mm-hmm. I'm living my life mindful of God. I'm living my life mindful of the spiritual needs around me. There's an ongoing conversation taking place in my heart, in my mind, between myself and the Lord. That's, that's praying without ceasing. Yeah, I think there is a sense in which we also need we see this in the life of our Savior when he would pull away from him, yes. from everything, right. from his disciples, everything, and spend right. sometimes entire nights in prayer to his Father. So there is that, that other kind of prayer where we pull aside and we devote ourselves to, to the spiritual discipline of prayer. That's needed for our, for our own. You know, prayer doesn't change the mind of God, but God has chosen to work through the means of prayer. So prayer matters and it mm. changes things. But prayer changes us. So we need those times of, of devotion where we meditate on the scriptures and we're praying according to the will of God, which means we're praying prayers that are in accordance with scripture. And as we do that, not only does God work through prayer and things change, but we change as we're living our, our, uh, you know, that moment of our life in, a, in an attitude of meditation on scripture and devotion to God. Our lives are changed. Mm. So we do. We need both. We need that ongoing conversation with the mm. Lord, but we also need those, those private, devoted times of prayer that change us and change situations. You mentioned prayer being a spiritual discipline, and, um, and then in light of what Jesus says about you know, shutting your door or going into your closet, do you think that there should be 
built into our lives as Christians, completely devoted to the Lord, built into our lives a kind of morning and evening or maybe a specific mm. time where we've devoted, okay, it's a spiritual discipline. I've devoted the first thing in the morning, whatever, right before I go to bed to prayer. I do think, think it's a good thing to begin your day with prayer. It sets the trajectory for everything else in that day. Mm. I think it's good to end your day with mm. prayer. There's no better way to go to sleep than to go to sleep praying, mm. right? Mm -hmm. to, to make that be the last thing that takes place before you close your eyes mm -hmm. for the day, to commune with, with our God. I think it's important to take times to pray right before special situations. Mm -hmm. You're about to counsel with someone. Do, do mm -hmm. you need the Lord in that situation? Mm -hmm. You're about to preach a sermon. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you need the Lord in that situation? You're about to encounter a difficult conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. Do you need the Lord in that situation? So just, just that constant awareness of our neediness mm -hmm. that without Christ, as our Lord told us, we can do nothing. Mm -hmm. If we're mindful of that, we will pray. Mm -hmm. A prayerless life is a self-dependent life. Mm -hmm. A prayerless life is a proud life. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways we can sort of gauge how we're doing in the realm of humility is, am I praying? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not praying, then who am I depending on? Mm -hmm. I'm depending on myself. Mm -hmm. I've got this. <laughs> mm -hmm. I must have it. Right. And that's, that's a dangerous attitude. Yeah, last thing. So in what way does um, prayer acknowledge God's sovereignty over all things? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if, if I'm praying, then who am I depending upon to work in this situation? Mm -hmm. Who do I believe has the ability to work in this situation? You and I are both Calvinists. If, if we acquiesce to that, to that descriptive term, we're Cal we believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation. We, we've joked before, everyone is a Calvinist in their prayer closet, okay, yeah. right? Mm. Because if we desire for someone to be saved, what do we do? Mm. We ask God to save them. So he's the one who's doing the saving, and we're asking him to do it, which means he's sovereign over that, over that need. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true of everything in life. Mm -hmm. What is there that God is not sovereign over? And so as we pray about these things, what we're acknowledging is, Lord, you, you are just that. You are Lord over, over everything that you have made. Mm -hmm. There's nothing too difficult for you. Now, we, we pray submissively. Mm -hmm. we, we know God's prescriptive will as re reflected in Scripture. We don't know all of God's secret will, we might say, the, the mm -hmm. will expressed in His decrees, what He has determined to do from before time. We don't know all of that. And so we have to pray submitting our will to His and being content with and satisfied with whatever He deems best. Mm. So we, we, we pray submissively, whether it's someone sick and we want them to get better or someone is lost and we want them to be saved. We, we pray asking God to do the things that we desire, but submitting to his will. Pastor, when we get these questions, we often hear about people's prayer requests. We often um, uh, get interesting questions related to you know, situational things that, that go on. If you've ever been in a, in a prayer meeting, of course, we've had those here you sometimes get someone that raises their hand and they say they have an unspoken prayer request or even on a prayer list that's distributed among the church, you have somebody say um, that they're asking for something unspoken. So the question is this, are unspoken prayer requests biblical? Uh, I mean, we'd like to pray for that person, but without really you know, knowing, you feel a little bit disconnected um, from yeah. them and, and what you're supposed to pray about. Pray about. Yeah, I think, I think we want to be generous in, the, in this sense. Sometimes what people are feeling is their inadequacy or their suffering or their sadness or their burden, sometimes related to things they can't share. 
Mm. They, they feel like they can't share. It, it may be because it involves details too sensitive to share. It may be because it would in some way expose another person in a way that they don't feel like they should expose another person. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one kind of unspoken prayer request, you know, request mm-hmm. that we're dealing with. And, and so I think we, we want to be generous in terms of do we have biblical examples of something like that. And we find places in the New Testament where Paul will, will say, you know, I've made mention of you in my prayers. He doesn't go into detail about what that was. Why would you even tell us you made mention of them? As, as an encouragement that he's praying for them and, and all the rest. So I think if we get an unspoken request, I want to be generous. I want to think, okay, there, there's probably a reason that they're not sharing the details. So let me just pray for them. Whoever gave the request, I want to pray for them. They, they must be in, in some place of difficulty or stress, burdened. I want to pray for them. Because I really have no way to know what else to pray for, right? If it's unspoken, I don't know what's on their mind. I don't know what it is that's burdening them. I don't know what the situation is. So at least I can pray for them. Mm-hmm. And really, if I'm speaking to anybody here who gives the unspoken request, if you have something like that where you don't feel like you can share the details, then it would be better for you just to say, would you pray for me? Mm-hmm. I'm going through a set of circumstances right now that are hard for me. I, don't, I really shouldn't talk about it. But if you could pray for me, that would be be helpful because you praying for a situation, you know what's in your mind. You know what the situation is. Asking someone else to pray for what only your mind knows about, they can't assist you in that. They can pray for you, but they don't know what what you're asking them to pray about. So that's, that's one thought. Second thought that comes to mind is we probably should reduce that unspoken list greatly if we practiced a proper kind of transparency with one another. So there is a way to take some of these unspoken requests and make them spoken. Mm-hmm. And that is to maybe enlist the prayers of our elders. Mm-hmm. Maybe those are the kinds of, of requests you need to go to. Make your, them aware of it. Yeah, is go to your okay. pastor and say, look, this is, this is what I'm dealing with. One of your elders and say, this is what I'm dealing with. Would you, would, would you join with me in this matter? Even, even enlist the body of elders to join together with you in this matter because maybe what you're feeling is you want many people praying about this, but you can't share the details. Well, at least share with your your elders and mm-hmm. let them join together in praying with you about this. So those are my two, you know, the, the two thoughts that come to mind, Josh, when I think about that. I, I, I'm, I'm with the person asking the question probably in that I really feel unsatisfied when I see that on a prayer list. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do with that in mm-hmm. some sense, but the two things that I can do with it is be gracious and say, okay, there, there's a reason they're not sharing the details. I at least can pray for them. But I want to exhort at the same time and say, why don't you, some of these unspoken, why don't we change them? Either ask us just to pray for you because you're going through a set of difficult circumstances or go to someone that you know you can trust, hopefully for sure you're the body of elders, and enlist them to pray for that situation that you have on your heart. The entire reason they're bringing this to a list is usually they do feel burdened. And so we do want to lift them up in prayer before the Lord. Should we make our you know, private thoughts, our private struggles, should we always make those things known to somebody no. to pray for us? No, of course not. And that's a great point you raised, Josh. I, I think sometimes we, we talk to other people when we should be talking to God. Mm. And there, there are things that we don't need to tell anybody else. Mm. We just need to take to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And 
make our request known there and know that he hears us. Mm -hmm. So that's a great point that you make. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of those unspoken requests could be eliminated by simply, <laughs> you pray about those things. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I wonder if the broader issue here is that we struggle to pray and we just don't do it. Yeah. Right. I think you're right. But I think also it's that, it's that sense of weakness in prayer mm -hmm. that makes us want to put it on a list. Sure. Yeah. I'm struggling. I struggle in mm -hmm. prayer. Someone says, I need others to help me mm -hmm. because I sense my weakness in prayer. Mm -hmm. So even though I don't want to tell you all the details of what I, I'm praying about, mm -hmm. I need help. Okay. And, which is why I mentioned those two other things. Okay. You know, either say it that way mm -hmm. or share it with someone. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that, that not everything needs to be shared. Right. You're not old enough to remember this. I am. But there was a kind of a movement afoot in the 70s, maybe even the early 80s. It was really a weird thing, at least in the circles where I was. I was in a Baptist church, but it was going on there where there, there were these con, like confession services that would go on. Mm -hmm. And people would share all their, you know, their weaknesses and their needs. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, it was uh, in the name of humility and transparency. But I'm telling you, Josh, that there was some real damage done oh, yeah. in those meetings where people shared things they had no business sharing. Mm -hmm. Some some of the people were damaged themselves because they shared things about themselves they had no business sharing. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they damaged other people. They would share something that happened in their marriage or something that they had no business sharing in that setting. So I agree with you. Some of the, some of the things that um, end up on the prayer list maybe would be better in the prayer closet. Hmm. Uh, just take those th things to the Lord yourself. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, we'd love for you to share this episode with friends and family. And the easiest way to do that is just by going to one of our social media channels and liking and subscribing to our videos there. Now, we'd love to spread the word about Straight Truth. And the easiest way to do that is by going to the Apple Podcast link and leaving us a five-star review. Now, Straight Truth is listener-supported. So if you'd like to find out ways to help us to continue to produce this podcast, again, go to our website, straighttruth.net. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.